Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Um, and Andy, I have pulled you off of the trails out in the wilds of America's heartland to do this podcast recording. <laughs> Is that true? You have indeed. Listeners, you will never know how long it took me and Chris to get this recording thing set up uh, with me on the road. But I am uh, calling in, dialing in, yeah, tuning I think, in. I think dialing in. Let's, uh, let's have some mystique about this podcast. Okay. I am dialing in from uh, the Rocky Mountains. So, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I have lived in flat Midwest, you know, my entire life. Um, so the mountains are a little bit terrifying to me. So like, how far up are you right now? Uh, we're at about 7,000 feet right now. Oh, uh, or in the okay. low 7,000s. Yeah. yeah. So not as high as it gets, but uh, high enough that we notice it hiking around that yeah. just we get out of breath a little quicker. So. Okay. All right. So my picture. High enough that my Prius may not survive <laughs> this road trip. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you got up, that's the hard part, right? It's the coming back. Yeah, so. uh, it would be nice and easy. Um, yeah. So I guess my my mental image of you when I heard about this trip was that um, you were going to be calling in from like a um, like a tent off the side of the mountain. <laughs> but it looks like you're in like a fairly nice Airbnb. Um, not to like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, earlier in this trip, it might have been more, been more tent like. Uh, yeah. We stayed at a very rustic. I'll put rustic in quotes there. Yeah. Uh, very rustic cabin in Nebraska for a couple of days, but now we're in a comparatively posh Airbnb yeah. in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. So, oh, nice. That's really I guess nice. if we have any listeners in Pagosa Springs, I'm right here. Although I'll be <laughs> gone by the time you hear this. So, yeah, you can come and see the spot that Andy slept. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't want to talk about your your specific vacation itinerary the entire time, but it just is it's kind of a way of like, uh, hey, why does this um this episode sound a little bit different from the other ones? That's what's going on for you, you the listeners. Yeah. To see um, yeah, so I have, I have, uh, I think a fun thing that I want to talk about after this. We're, we're not going to roll on the table this time just because we, we don't have as much time as we normally do. Um, yeah, but you, you said before we started recording that you had kind of a, like a question for me that you wanted to ask. Well, I have a little, uh, story to relate that's, Ooh, okay. uh, R- that's RPG related. Uh, and I guess I'll start with a quick question for you. Chris, you're going on a trip. Don't think about this. You're going on a trip mm-hmm. and you've got, what game are you putting? What RPG are you putting into the suitcase? Don't think uh, about it. Okay, so I, j- I just went on a trip last weekend um, to to visit some family, so this is very fresh in my mind. So the two the two games that I grabbed, um, I I grabbed all of, like the I grabbed the five um, E players handbook and the starter set and just threw that threw that together because like if anyone mentions D, even obliquely i'm just going to pull this out <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to play this is like the easiest possible introduction for it um another one that i threw in there was uh, the one ring rpg um again if someone even mentioned lord of the rings in some some fashion i was going to be like well you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so those are the two apparently that i would throw uh throw in my bag right before i leave yeah what about you uh yeah it's funny i almost threw in the one ring but yeah. I didn't at the last minute because I was like, I think this book costs like sixty dollars. Yeah. And uh, so when it gets dropped in the mud and mm-hmm. and rained on and things like that, I'll be annoyed. But I did toss in uh, Blades in the Dark. Oh, uh, nice! Just because I enjoy reading that book, and although I've run it and I've read it many times, I still don't totally understand it. So mm-hmm. I feel like if I keep rereading it, one day enlightenment will happen, and that'll <laughs> yeah. be the perfect 
Blades GM. But. Yeah, your third eye will open and you'll realize, like, actually, the book wasn't needed all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. The, it was in the system that was inside me all along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I have a quick story to tell then about this. So yeah. I don't know if you are as dorky as me, mm-hmm. but when I oh, go on wait. trips and we stop in motels for the evening, and it's usually middle of nowhere Midwest, so there's nothing exciting to do except just go to bed. Mm-hmm. I will search for uh, game stores near me in the hopes that there might be a game store like a mile or two away. Mm-hmm. There almost never is, but every now and then I get to go and see a game store from a different part of the country, which is fun. Let's see. The other day we were stopped for the night in, in Colorado, and this is eastern Colorado, the hot, flat part. So it's just wild west desert, you know, tumbleweeds, mm-hmm. it's 95 degrees, and we stopped for the night. And I plug in to Google Maps game store near me and I get a return that there's a game store one mile from my present location, which is bonkers because I don't even know if the place we were staying counted as a town. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, so I looked at, I looked, so go ahead and, and just speak up when I hit the part in the story where you would have stopped. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we've already hit that point. I don't know. No, we we have not hit that point yet. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So obviously I've got to go see this game store and I'm not going to name it. I don't want to name and shame it. I'll just say uh, this story ends on a sinister note, but I bet everybody involved is a wonderful human being. And I love that they have a game store in -hmm. the middle of uh, Colorado, but it's got great reviews on Google Maps, and I'm enough of a dork. I've, I've, ser- I've done the game store near me search enough times. I'm good at looking at the photos and, like, trying to evaluate, do they have an RPG shelf and what mm-hmm. kind of books do they have? Because, you know, you can recognize yes. that it's just all 5e <laughs> books, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if it's an all 5e shop or something, nothing bad against D&D. But, you know, I don't need to make a check out to see it. Yeah. But this one... So I can't tell if they have RPGs, but they have a lot of stuff you would call RPG adjacent. So mm-hmm. I see some old like used war games, which I love. There's mm-hmm. model train stuff. And it just, it seems like, okay, this, this will be an interesting story to go. So I take my teenager and we hit the road in our Prius. So even though it's only one mile away, Google Maps takes us through a back, back roads to get there. And by mm-hmm. back roads, I mean dirt roads. So we're yeah. on... We drive about a mile down a dirt county road. There's yeah. this huge plume of dust following yeah. our Prius. Yeah. At some point, you know, you pass a farm. You know, you pass a farmer driving something that should be harvesting spice on Arrakis or something. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's <laughs> got everybody else is in a Ford F one fifty, and you're banging along this dirt road in the Prius. But yeah. So we. We pull up and we pass it a couple of times because I can't see. So we're not in anything remotely resembling a business district. It's just farmland, like just farmland. Okay. So we drive past the address a couple of times. And and then I realize, okay, I think, I think it's in one of the, I think it's in like, there's like one house we've passed. I think it's in a house or something. So, okay. we, so we pull around. So you ready to stop? No, yeah. Okay. At this point, this is where I'd be thinking like, cool. So this is a, a magic game shop that is only here for one night. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if I should go in there. <laughs> yes. So sure enough. So we, we pull around for like the third time past this. And there is, there is one house. And just imagine a, a how the house 
in the in like rural farm mm-hmm. Colorado. It's got, you know, a couple of giant pickup trucks, you know, parked in the yard. And so I see as we pull into this house's driveway, a, like a faded wooden sign that has <laughs> the name of this hobby shop on it, okay? And so like, I, I pause for a minute in the driveway. And, I mean, am I expected to go up to the house? I don't think so. So a little bit more investigation results. So there is a little track going back behind the house towards uh-huh. like a cluster of something structures back there feeling increasingly nervous. Uh, we continue on this dirt path past the house. So we roll past probably 10 to 15, like rusted out cars parked along the side. And we pull up to a barn, just yeah. a barn. Yeah. And, uh, it has the hobby shop store. It has a sign on the top of the barn. Yeah. And it's just a regular barn. It's, it doesn't look like it was fashionably renovated into a modern space. So we get out and it has an open sign on the door, no windows or anything like that. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. But, but it was locked despite the open sign. So yeah. that was when my teenager said, this is straight out of a horror movie. And yeah. I started thinking, this is pretty much the gamer version of like a creepy white van with like mm-hmm. free candy painted on the side. <laughs> yes. So we, got back in into the Prius and I nervously pulled, drove the Prius past. Like, and I, I half expected someone with a pitchfork or something to come running out of the house and intercept mm-hmm. us on their way out. But we made it back out and we got back to our uh, motel safely. So yeah. that is my little anecdote. Like I say, I haven't named the store. I, and I don't know how you, if for some reason I, you know, I'm sure the well, people running it were lovely people yeah. and that's awesome, but it, it was a hilarious experience. Yeah. So, well, I'm any sure thoughts you, on that? Yeah. I'm sure if you Google, Googled it now, you would not be able to find it ever again because it doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm or a now it's in, now it's in South Dakota or something like yeah. that. Cause it just, yeah. yeah. Or like as you, as you were leaving, as you turned around to leave, like the barn was in front of you again, right? Like it's just like, you can't, yeah, it's, like, yes. it's, it's basically the setup to a twilight zone episode. Oh, <laughs> totally. So, yeah. but now I'm bothered because look, what if it was the gaming store, you know, that mm-hmm. amazing yeah. out of the way treasure that no one's heard of. And he's got yeah. all this amazing out of print stuff and all this yeah. stuff, you know, so I'm not going to lie. I don't know if we're going through that town again, yeah. but I'll have to make a saving throw going back home oh, if you, we go through town. You to, gotta to check, stop to test that door again. Yeah, you have to stop because right, okay, because like so, okay, like it's probably just a normal game store that you know some some nerds like they they really wanted to do this and they had a spare barn, so right, whatever they set it up in there. <laughs> yeah. But the possibility that you walk in there and it's like a frozen in time, like nineties game store. The, yes. the person running it has like no clue what the internet is. Right. So they haven't looked up prices on anything, but they just have you know, a stack of whatever, yes. you know? Yes. It's yeah. all the original prices from like 1978. And, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I still remember there was a, a hardware store nearby where I went to college that we would, you know, like it was like the local hardware store. So if you needed a screw or whatever, you, that's where you had to go. You know, super small yeah. town, Indiana. And this was in 2000, like in the early 2000s or so. I remember and they had a dusty display case sort of in the back that still had a couple of sealed NES games just like oh. sitting in there. Right. And they were like priced once when they got them in, you know, so it's just like a sealed yeah. copy of like Tetris or whatever. 
in there, you know, like I still think about them. Like, I wonder if I went back there, it'd still be there. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I feel like the internet sort of collapsed some of that discovery of, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> information asymmetry, if you will. But uh, yeah. yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. So you have to stop at that game store on the way back, please. I please will. I, you know, I I do haunt game stores wherever I can, you know, as <laughs> I travel and. Maybe once every five years, I do find one of those treasures where they mm -hmm. obviously don't use the internet and they just price it. It looks like $5 to them. You know, I've yeah. gotten some, a couple of pretty collectible RPG books in that way for laughable prices. Um, yeah. And I love those places. You know, they have, always have so much character and, um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, at some point the internet, the use of the internet and very appropriately became uh, ubiquitous and it's hard to find those out of the way places with prices that that aren't competitive so yeah i know if you find them you know i guess don't share it <laughs> like, you know, right it's like exactly a, it's like finding yeah, yeah. the good fishing hole or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah so i will say so um if you just don't ever hear from me after this chris mm -hmm. uh, you can maybe maybe follow my track to colorado one day or maybe gather up some uh, former podcast guess to make a road trip out of finding what happened to me yeah i mean this is this is literally the start to a call of cthulhu campaign right here right? it's yeah. like yeah the, well, the last yeah like a modern day one you know the last missive you heard was you know the podcast from <laughs> about the game store that doesn't <laughs> exist <laughs> yes yeah what if i mean what if it is the 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 best game store you've ever imagined that i just decide to stay there i mean uh, oh I yeah yeah talk to my family about it but uh yeah it, you, it, I mean, you you stay there and then the the current owner can then leave finally <laughs> so yes. it's great right? <laughs> that's right it works out for everybody <laughs> yeah okay so that's my travel anecdote i'm sorry for going along for so long but uh, uh i i thought of you at a couple of points as i uh, wondered if i was about to find an awesome stash of used games or if i was about to be uh skinned alive by a chainsaw wielding uh, maniac, so. <laughs> yes um, that's really great. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, you know, like what the most, um, what's been the most like game, like game worthy thing you've seen out on your hikes and your, your travels and stuff. That seems like a pretty good one. You have like a number two, yeah. you seen any like a cool wildlife or anything like that? Yeah, actually I did have this thought and, you know, once again, I reveal myself as a, a broken person that <laughs> even in the grandeur of the Rocky mountains, like 30% of my brain is, is doing GM related <laughs> yes. thinking. Yeah. But, so just today we were driving out into a uh, forest out here and like, I mean, we had to drive like 10 or so miles to get down another dirt road back into a, a state park or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. along the way, I have never seen this before. We saw dozens and dozens and dozens of prairie dogs. Oh and Yeah. And I've like I've never seen like a herd of prairie dogs. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And my game takeaway from that, I guess, is that was an incredible like quote travel encounter that like I never would have guessed we would have. It was it was it will actually end up being significantly more memorable than the awesome hiking destination that mm -hmm. we reached. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to remember those prairie dogs, and we gave up counting after you know, dozens of them went by and it, it was just incredible. I've never seen it. And it just, um, you know, it does make me think, you know, it, it's like that Holy grail, like the non-combat encounter, 
like non-combat travel or random encounter that's just really memorable or interesting. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're, you know, it makes me want to go home and write up some random tables of just some like curious wildlife encounters that um, are super linked to the place that you're in, you know, I yeah. mean, how many places in the U S can you find herds of prairie dogs? I don't really know, but yeah, this is the first time I've seen, I've traveled in a lot of States Yeah, and I love, you know, it makes me want to make up a big list and just brainstorm like what, what just like memorable thing could you add that your PCs in your party would be reminiscing about for years to come. Cause we, my family has been chatting about the prairie dog herd since we saw yeah. it hours ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm thinking back to my family went on a lot of um, road trips, like for summer vacations and stuff. So we would do kind of what you're doing, you know, so you'd go somewhere for a week or two yeah. like that. And like all of the memories I have that have like really stuck out, the ones that we talk about are like that time we saw that weird thing. We saw it. Yeah, like saw bison or like there was um like an elk that like or no, it was like a moose that stuck its its face into our car at one point because my sister had rolled down her window. Yeah. You know, it was like stuff like that. Um yeah, it was just like I don't know. I mean, like the part of this is just like right, you live in the city, you don't you're not around like wildlife ever. So it's like, you know, anything sort of seems novel like that. Um but as you were talking about the prairie dogs, it, it reminded me of um the video game The Last of Us. And so I guess it's probably for The Last of Us, which has been out for ten years or whatever. But uh yeah. there's a scene in that game that like finally like quiets down because for the most part, like you're running around shooting people or shooting zombies and stuff like that. Uh but you you I think you're in a zoo or something and like a giraffe yes. walks by and like the whole game oh. sort of like stops and it's just this moment that like really sticks with you right like i mean despite the fact that you're like this i don't know you're kind of like this awful person going around killing killing people right yeah. like there's this moment of like like this pure awe of like a giraffe walking yeah. across in in america right like he's a it was in the zoo right and then the zoo shut down because yep. it's a post-apocalyptic thing like that um yeah but i mean like that moment narratively sticks out, you know, really well. I think like it's in the same way that prairie dogs do too, right? Because that's not something you can just experience yep. in any other. In other yeah, sport. well, I've I've played Last of Us, and that that is my single biggest memory from the game Last of mm-hmm. Us, which I loved. Yeah, and I couldn't. I I honestly don't think I could tell you about a single like combat encounter, except that yeah, you. I mean, you fight lots of zombies. I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you anything more specific than that about those, but. I vividly remember the giraffe encounter. It's just an amazing uh, moment. And you can't even do anything. You're just no, watching yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's yeah, so we went to the Toledo Zoo um last week. So the little little trip that I went on, we went to the zoo and then we met up with uh, my family in South Bend. And I'll get to the South Bend part in a second. But like, you know, just going to the zoo is always a, a wonderful experience, especially with kids who haven't been there before too, right? So like, I don't know, like my my daughter and my son got to see a uh, an elephant for the first time in person. That's right. It's one of those things oh, that, awesome. you, yeah, like you, you tell them what an elephant sounds, you know, like, you know, and the, it's got a trunk and like, yeah, you show them videos and stuff, but an elephant, and then you go and see one in person. You're like, wow, <laughs> like this is, I don't know. This thing is massive. And um, yeah. And then you think about it, like in gaming terms, it's like, right. Like if an, a full grown elephant came across your party, like, like, what would your party do? Like if it got mad at you, there's like very little you can do <laughs> due to an elephant, um, you know, in like a fantasy setting, I guess. Uh, right. There's lots of clever things you can do too. But yeah, I mean, it's a very like majestic thing that I think we take for granted. It's like, Oh yeah, elephants, whatever, whatever. But then you see one and you're like, Oh, okay. That kind of stops in my tracks. You know, part of the, 
the impact of these kind of random encounters is just being in awe or appreciation of something that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to convey. That's really hard to convey in a novel, like even a really good one. You know, I love the Lord of the Rings and I have come to love the travel sections of the Lord of the Rings, but yeah. it is hard to describe being in, it is hard to describe being impressed by something. Mm-hmm. I mean, how exciting was it to hear me talk about the prairie dogs? I mean, probably not that exciting, right? Yeah. How do you, so it's hard enough in a novel and stuff like that. And in a tabletop RPG, if the whole, the only action the party can really take is to be in awe of the site or the ruin or the animal or something like that. How do you make that interesting? You know, I don't, I mean, have you seen that happen really well in a tabletop game? You know, I think like the closest I've gotten to that is um, really directly asking players to react in a sentence or two to something that's happening around them. Like, cause then Mm. they can make it more personal to their characters. You can set the scene or, you know, set the memory or whatever that they, they need to react to, but then allowing them like total agency over like, this is how I'm reacting emotionally (laughs) to what it is. Right. And I think you can ask that pretty directly of, of, of players as well. And they, um, they'll rise to the occasion. Cause like, right. Like at, you know, especially like I, for me, at least as a player, when when those moments happen, that's the stuff that helps me figure out the character more than anything else. It's like I need to stop and like really think like how would they react in this situation, right? It's not just like yeah. a I don't know, am I going to use my my sword or my <laughs> my like staff? <laughs> and this, you know, it's right, like right. You know, like how how does your character feel um, feel about what they're seeing? I mean, I think that that's maybe one way to get get across that too, especially if you have something that's like a novel thing within your game too. If you can describe it, it's like, you know, like, okay, like you're coming up, you know, you round the bend and this is the first sight that you see of this mountain range. That's um, easily a thousand, you know, thousand miles in the distance. You know that that's your, like what you're, what you're heading towards. Like, what does Andy, like, what does your character think about seeing the mountains for the first time? Right. Like, you know, I think you can, you can manufacture some of that awe a little bit just by asking a direct question of like, yeah, let's react to this. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, the, so the, we stayed in South Bend with, uh, I met up with a bunch of my family there and there's, uh, like we're not Catholic and we're not football fans. So South Bend is sort of like whatever, <laughs> whatever to me, uh, yeah. in general, but like it, it happens to have this really nice like mansion that we've rented a couple times to, to meet up, oh. which is, which is great. Right. If you have 20, you know, 20 plus people that you want to get into one spot, like you, your options are limited for, for places to stay. Yeah. So, I mean, this mansion is, it's the sort of place that like, you know, it has, you keep turning corners and there's rooms in it. Hmm. Right. And like, it's the sort of place you walk into, you're like, wow, this would be a phenomenal place to hold a murder mystery or, you know, it just, it really does get your GM juices sort of like flowing. Um, Cause yeah. they've, they've also decorated each of the rooms basically with like any antiques they could find in there right so there's all sorts of like curious looking like you know curious uh like uh drawers and you know like desks and couches and things like that in there um but so a couple things struck me so we played we we ended up playing hide and seek um because i have a lot of uh nephews and nieces and stuff running around sounds so fun yeah so playing hide and seek in a place like that is just like so great right because there's 20 rooms or something like that to, to run around yeah run around in. Um, yeah. I'm like, I mean, you know, any, everybody can get into it too. So that was really fun. And just like really fun to see, especially with the little kids, sort of what they gravitated towards. Cause you could tell like which rooms were their favorites. Right. And like what they, what they really liked yeah. and which rooms were yeah. scary to them. And stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. But from like a, a GMing perspective, right. Like looking at a place like that, it's, it was really fascinating to me. Cause like, I'm not, I, 
especially the past couple of years, I haven't been inside other buildings that much, right? So this is like one of the only other buildings I've been to. Like you can make your way from front door to the top of the, you know, top of the building and then all the way back down to the back door. You know, it'd take you two minutes or so, right? But if like you just walk and you know exactly where you're going, like that's how long it takes, right? So yeah. it, it got me thinking about like the five room dungeon, right? Like, you know, like and how how quickly one could navigate that if they know exactly where they're going, right? Oh, like a, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, and like, and so if you have like this, you know, mini room mansion, right? Like how fast, uh, how fast you can walk through it is not necessarily like how much time you're going to spend, <laughs> spend in it um, yeah, for sure. as well. Right. Um, and then also just like how sound travels and stuff like that, right? Like it's, if you're inside a building, everything's very interconnected with, yeah. uh, with each other. Right. So I think the next time that I run like a smallish dungeon like that, that's really going to be on my mind of like, huh. like the start, the entrance to this and maybe your final destination in here could only be like the matter of 30 feet or so really yeah. a distance. And, you know, couple of walls or something like that that may or may not be soundproof right so like you have you have some different considerations there yeah but at the same time right there's tons of places to hide too right and like just having yeah. having lots and lots of the, like those places and stuff i think can can add some interest um into it but yeah that's just uh that's sort of what i've been what i've been thinking about like even from since leaving leaving that place and kind of keep noodling on it i'm like i don't like i think i might just like run a game in that <laughs> in that place yeah. at some point too well, that's awesome. Well, Chris, okay. I have, we should probably wrap up pretty yeah. soon here, but I have a kind of different question for you. And that is, so uh, both you and I, I think are gearing up to run later this summer mm-hmm. uh, games that we've described as white whale games. Yes. Uh, games that we've always kind of wanted to run or, or we thought about it, but for whatever reason, we've never got around to running. Mm-hmm. And I'll just state up front. I haven't yet decided what game I'm going to run. Yeah, because so many of my white whales are these really implausible long multi-year campaigns with you know tons and tons of different players, you know, and that's that's why I haven't run those. <laughs> yeah. So I've been thinking, you know, in the context of a one shot, what's like a what's a one shot that I could run that I've always kind of wanted to do. So I'm still noodling on that myself, but I wanted mm-hmm. to ask if you have uh, what you want to run for your white whale one shot later this summer. Yeah, I, well, okay. I'm still a little bit torn. I, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to do um, there. And I, I, if I can get some more energy than what I have right now, there's something I really want to do, but I don't know if it'll, it'll come together. So th- that might yep. remain a white whale for a while. And that's the, th- the sort of thing that needs to be secret from everybody until, <laughs> until I have it ready to go. For sure. So, so yeah. the thing that I'm, I'm probably going to end up running is a, um, I've always wanted to do this, is a, a level 20 um, boss fight. In, in Dungeons and Dragons, just like you are maxed out, like you know, you are fighting a, a demigod or above, <laughs> or yeah. multiples of them, uh, right? Just like one of those kind of all out, all out battles, like the the final final boss fight. Um, I don't. I think just knowing myself, I'm never. I'm probably not going to be able to take a party from one to twenty. Yeah, maybe ever, like, but definitely yeah. not for the next five or six years. So you know, just got young kids. It's just not not in the cards or so. Um, yeah. yeah. So rather than just sort of waiting around for that magical time to happen, I think that's the thing I want to run. It's just like we're everybody bring your bring your favorite character that never made it to to twenty. Like level them up for this thing. I'm gonna come up with some some sort of 
reason why you have all these people sort of coming together. And I would borrowing heavily from Moorcock for that, I think, because Moorcock, yeah. Moorcock loves sure. that sort of like, oh, this person from that universe and this person from that universe is just like, you're together now. Uh, yeah. So I'll figure out something like that. And then, um, yeah, figure out like what, what we're going to, what we're going to do for the actual boss fight. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I, I hope that can come together. My guess is I'm going to learn a couple things about like what I like and don't like about high level combat mm-hmm. <laughs> through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it'll be a really fun thing to actually do. And I think it'll be like, you know, it's just gonna be a fun, fun time for those that get to that play. Does, that does sound really fun. Maybe yeah. as we get closer to the date, we could talk a little bit more specifically about how you're prepping for it. Mm-hmm. The first thing that popped into mind when you described that is it's really, the fun of it is really going to depend on the ability of the players to wrap their heads around the capabilities of their characters. Yes. And so if, if you are in this one would make a huge difference if you're playing with experienced D and Ders or you're playing with like newbies for whom that sounds like a, a just like a really fun idea. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of mechanical intensity that, you know, a good high level character should be bringing into the fight. And that at least the bosses, the, the top level bosses I've seen set up in five E, you know, really re- expect that you're bringing your a game Mm-hmm. Uh, including magic items uh, into the fight. So yeah, I, I would love to hear if you do decide to do that, what kind of player help you're going to have available, mm-hmm. if any, I guess. I mean, you could also just say yeah. experts only, only mm-hmm. come if you can get behind the wheel of a 20th level character and <laughs> be able to handle it, right? I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to do that. Um, and I think it'll also be, you know, like like all good D and D, it'll be a little bit hand wavy too with with yeah. some of the mechanics as we get into it too. I'm sure, but yeah, I think it'll be fun, right? Like it'll like again, like I it'll be more of a uh, my my intent is to bring bring something that's really going to be fun for everybody too at the table, but I also want it to be somewhat of like a learning experience of like okay, so at the end of this, you should know whether or not this is something you ever want to do again. <laughs> it's for for yeah. everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if I were going to do that, I would do the one boss fight that has never happened in my GMing, but that has always lurked out of reach. And that's a ball take down the Balrog uh, oh, or some yeah. some variant of that. So I've I've given more thought to that dumb scenario than than is uh, merited at all by the by my yeah. actual gaming history. But. Well, I think that might be. Yeah, I might have to. Well. Off air, I'm going to push you more on your your white whales because I think you've mentioned this Balrog fight before, and yeah. I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah, uh, and I think the the maybe the joke that we had earlier, I don't know if we said it's on air or not, was that like it's, it's just a party full of Gandalfs or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you've got the uh, the the White Council or whatever is mm-hmm. that's this is their job. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> someone's got to do it. Yeah, it's what they're being paid to do. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting thinking about a white whale one shot. You know, I what I really find myself torn between is running something weird and unusual in structure, um, or running like an an uninteresting game that I want to run. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that I would want to do both of those things in one three hour one shot. But um, yeah. so that's that's where my head is about that. And I know that as the summer goes on, I will have some details to share about where my mind is. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Well, we should wrap it up there. Um, I know it's getting getting late for you, getting late for me. Um, but yes, uh, thank you all for listening to this. This has been a little bit more of a freewheeling conversation, but um, it just it made a little bit more sense just with Andy being on the road. But I think it was still still a fun one. Um, yeah. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback, you can contact us. There's a contact page on our website, or you can just reach out to us in whatever way makes sense um, to you. Andy, any other parting shots before I do our final wrap up? I don't think so. Let's just give a uh, salute to our partner podcast. The Roll for Topic is part of the Roll for It podcast network. And our sister podcast, The Splat Book, is a wonderful podcast that airs on alternate weeks from ours. And mm-hmm. if you enjoy Roll for Topic, I have a feeling you will enjoy The Splat Book as well. So yes. go check it out. Yeah, they've been doing a couple of um, actual plays this summer. Um, yeah, so yeah, go check it out. It's been really fun. And their back catalog is great, too. John and Kyle are some of my favorite people. So I'm super happy every time an episode drops. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I get to hear, hear them talk about games and, and play games. So, um, all right. I think that is for us. So I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rowe. Remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 